What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 120 of the Rotosauce podcast. We are talking football. We are talking Game of Thrones on yet another episode of the Gridiron Throne. And to do that with me, as always, is Jeff Dumont at JeffD119 <laughs> on Twitter. I just found out what the 119 stands for, but I'm going to keep it to myself. What's up, Jeff? It's <laughs> secret. Not much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I just got back from a, a little bit of vacation. Uh, my birthday was this past weekend. I went to New Orleans. Uh, it was also one of my buddy's bachelor parties, and it was Jazz Fest. So just a whole of a hell of a lot going on down in NOLA, and uh, needless to say, my liver hurts. <laughs> That's what happens in NOLA. Did you make any bets in a casino, buddy Jeff? No, I did some you know, off-the-books betting on the Kentucky Derby with my buddies, nice. but uh, that was about it. And there, there were some other you know, general wagers uh, that go along with being on a bachelor party, uh, more just like for fun stuff uh, nice. to kind of rib each other about. Like, uh, you know, NBA playoffs are prominent right now, um, all that stuff. So, so we had some side yeah. action going on all the time. We played credit card roulette for a bunch of dinner tabs and drink tabs. So, <laughs> yeah, a good time was had by all. And I think... In the end, I, I probably didn't come out in the black, but I feel like I won more than I lost, uh, which, like I said, I can't say that about my liver, but I can't say that about my wallet. <laughs> hey, man, that's all you can hope for. That sounds sounds like a good time. For sure. Yeah. And, um, yeah, as I talked about earlier, we are going to talk GOT yet again. Uh, we got to talk about Episode 4 and preview Episode 5 of Season 8. But before we get there, I want to get back to uh, the roots of the 2QB experience, the 2QB XP podcast, and... We have to talk about Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson retired today, finished his career with a 20-29 and 29 record, a 54.3 completion percentage, 60 touchdowns to 64 interceptions, which I, I feel like those stats perfectly put Anderson's career into context. That was the type of quarterback he was. Kind of replacement level, uh, going to lose more games than he wins, uh, going to throw more interceptions than he does touchdowns, but... All of that does gloss over the fact that he was a pro bowler and the fantasy QB7 in 2007 (laughs) with Cleveland. Cleveland, yeah. (laughs) That was only his second year in the league. It featured 10 games with two or more touchdowns in each of those games, including a five-touchdown, 328-yard game against Cincinnati in Week 2. So before there was Baker Mayfield, there was Derek Anderson, and (laughs) two QB enthusiasts are going to miss him. I know I will. If the North remembers, man. That's when when, uh, they had Braylon Edwards, right? Yep, that's right. He was like a second-round pick the very next year and did nothing. A horrible bust. <laughs> man, who is this year's Braylon Edwards? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, maybe? No, not even. No, but we know Alshon's good. You know what I'm saying? And he's had more than one good year. Like, Braylon just kind of bust out that one year, and then it really was never quite heard from again, right? <laughs> like one of, could be Tyreek Hill, but for completely different reasons. <laughs> yeah, not quite the same. I actually, I'm Hold on a second. I'm going to pull a Braylon Edwards game log or season log because i got to know how well he did uh, in his career. But, um, with that in mind, why don't you transition to our next topic here? And we want to talk toughest evaluations or biggest question marks for fantasy in 2019. And so I'm curious where, where you want to go there while I look up some, some Braylon Edwards stats. <laughs> yeah. Um, one guy that I constantly have, um, issues trying to rank and trying to figure out where to pick them is, uh, Derek Henry. He is like the epitome of an enigma in fantasy. But uh, because, mainly because in PPR leagues, he's only going to get about one catch per game. He had 15 catches all year last year. He's got an ADP right now of 34, but he's only 25. He only has 500 carries in his career. Um, and he has, last year he had a 4.9 yards per carry. Uh, I know that is a misleading stat, definitely. But uh, what if that offense gets better? You know, he it, like in PPR leagues, he was RB 16 last year and he's RB 17 this year. So, so people are drafting him as if nothing happened with Derrick Henry. And he's a guy that 
experts are going to hate because he's slow and gets tackled easy, easily. And, and novice players are going to probably like him because he has good yards per carry and got 12 touchdowns last year. And I, I mean, call me novice because I'll, I'll be, ta- I'll be taking him, uh, probably, uh, probably well below, uh, well above the ADP of 34. Yeah, this actually dovetails really well into one of my biggest question marks for fantasy. But before we get to that, let's let's talk Raylan Edwards. I didn't <laughs> give him quite enough credit. Uh, he he was the the wide receiver three in two thousand seven that year with Derek Anderson, but he had some decent finishes aside from that. Uh, wide receiver twenty eight the year before, wide receiver thirty four in two thousand eight, forty four in two thousand nine, and the wide receiver twenty one in two thousand ten. So he was yeah. a, you know a startable fantasy commodity for a number of years, and so. I apologize, Mr. Edwards. That that was oh. rude of me to say that you only had one <laughs> usable fantasy year. But He's listening. <laughs> getting back to Derrick Henry, my question was, which running backs in rounds three through five can we trust or do we trust? Derrick Henry is one of those guys on my list. And, and as I look at this list, I have him... I have him in bold as a player that I trust, at least at that ADP. Like, I agree with you. I think that that's a a pretty fine value. I was surprised not to see him that far down, but to see him behind uh, someone like Marlon Mack or even like Aaron Jones, especially because they just brought in a different running back uh, in Green Bay and Dexter Williams, and they still have Jamal Mm -hmm. Williams. I don't know, man. Like, I think Henry seems appropriately priced for what we can expect to get from him. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely because, you know, uh, you know, you pretty much know exactly what you're going to get from Henry. But I'm just saying that he might he might get more carries. Uh, I mean, the offense, I, I'm thinking if you like Mariota, I feel like the offense might be a lot better overall. They promoted, I think, their Titans uh, coach to offensive coordinator. So, um, yeah, I, I would be drafting over Jones, over Damian Williams. Uh, yeah, over Marlon Mack, probably in the Fournette range. Definitely. And Fournette's going 28 overall. Yeah, so, so let's let's run through this list, and we have some rapid-fire Game of Thrones stuff I'm going to throw at you later. I want to go rapid-fire through these <laughs> running backs in rounds three through five, and just yes or no answer, do you trust them, or do, do you think that they're okay to draft at their ADP? So the first guy I have is Fournette, ADP 28.6, yes or no? Yes, that's a value. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that he's actually pretty undervalued there. He should be going in the second yeah. round. Uh, Damian Williams, ADP 30.2. Not at all, no. Oh, I'm so in for that. I think that I, oh. I would draft him ahead of Fournette. I mean, they didn't bring in the running back. Or... They got they got Hyde. They got Carlos Hyde, and Hyde still young. Oh, I don't care about be... Carlos Hyde. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> hey, man, he was traded for like a fourth round pick, or whatever. <laughs> Jacksonville. Uh, Hyde's good, man. Hyde, Hyde has talent. I mean, he, he might be as talented as Damian Williams in real life NFL, and so he might they might split carries. That's what I'm worried about. I'm going to go out on a limb and say <laughs> no. Nope. Probably not. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, Aaron Jones, ADP. 32.5. That's about right. Uh, I'm going to say no. See, I, I love his talent. I, I like Aaron Jones, the player, but the fact that they drafted another running back does worry me, and we might see that become more of the Aaron Rodgers show in 2019, and if that happens, I worry that the running game is going to kind of take a back seat. So while I'm intrigued with Aaron Jones at that price, like I'll probably draft him in some leagues, I definitely won't be targeting him all over the place, if you know what I mean. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if you know he's going to get like 15 to 20 touches per week, then I think he's a very good value at 33. But yeah, in that offense, it's going to be a completely different offense too. I don't know. I don't trust him. I'm probably not going to have many shares of him. Yeah, me neither. Uh, next up, Marlon Mack, ADP 32.7. I'm going to say that's good value. I would. I still take Henry over Mack, but I will be taking a lot of shares of Mack for sure. 
Yeah, I'm in on Great that offense. too. I I, will, I would draft Mac ahead of Aaron Jones. I think you could make the case for him above Damian Williams and even Leonard Fournette maybe. So I, I think the Mac definitely is – he qualifies as a guy who I'd be happy to take at his cost. And then Derrick Henry, yeah. we're both in on him at ADP 33.9. Next up, Devonta Freeman, ADP 36.5. Yes or no? Yes, that's a steal, I think. Definitely. I worry about the I worry about the mileage he has and the fact that they still have Edo Smith. Like I'm – like he hasn't really been durable over the past couple of years, and that scares me. Yeah, I think he has RB two value. One more year of being maybe a, a like returning second or third round uh, value. I mean, there's I don't I don't believe in Edo Smith. I think he's the main sheriff in town. I think he's going to get about twenty carries a game, and he's just got one last Harabi before they cut him next year. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I mean, I, if he stays healthy, I like I like him at this cost. I just worry that he yeah. won't be able to do it. Next up, Sony yeah. Michelle, ADP thirty seven point zero. Excellent, excellent value. Uh, I don't know. I mean, they brought in another running back. They still have James White, Rex Burkhead. I I think that's fine. Like like you said, any of these guys can hit. And that's why I'm asking the question is because this is such a it's a danger zone for running backs where anywhere after you know the first and second round, a running back could very easily hit or very easily bust, and that that makes these guys all risky to some extent. And I think Michelle, to me, is a little bit more risk than reward because. As you're going to see as we get further down the list, there's still plenty of other guys that you can target, guys that we do like. So uh, next up, I, I, oh, with Michelle, with Michelle, I remember how good he was in the playoffs last year, and like he was just like I felt like when it counted, and he was hurt at the beginning of the year, so I feel like it took him a little while to actually get used to the offense and actually get acclimated and for Belichick to actually believe in him. So I don't know. I think Michelle has like first round potential. Totally. I mean, and totally, yeah. I like him. I drafted him a lot last year. I think I won uh, one of our leagues with Sony Michelle. Frankly. Uh, <laughs> I think he did. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I think it is easy to forget that uh, he was a first round pick, right? Like that's something that kind of gets glossed over at this point is that th- there was that draft capital associated with him. And right. with that in mind, like maybe we need to be reading into that and thinking, the Patriots are going to feed him, that they need For him sure. to be someone who produces at a high level. But just the timeshare aspect of that, I think, is going to make it challenging to own him. Let, let's yeah. put it this way. I think Sonny Michel is a great best ball pick. And I should yeah. note that the ADPs I'm throwing out are best ball 10 ADPs. So uh, take all this stuff with, with that sort of grain of salt. In a seasonal league, I think Michelle is a little bit more risky. But that is the case with all of these guys, and that's why we're having the conversation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, New England taking him in the first round, that is very unlike New England. That's why I think Nikhil Harry might be a, a, like a very big part of their offense this year, too. Because in their history, they've never paid up for positional players. So, I don't know. I, I agree. Well, yeah, but they've also never had a wide receiver that they've drafted work out. So, that's that's the other <laughs> side of that blade. Uh, all right, next up, Kerryon Johnson, ADP 37.9. Uh, it's about right. I'm going to say no because of the Lions, but I like his skill set. Yeah, I think that's the biggest red flag here is that it's Detroit, and you just it's yeah. hard to trust a running back in that offense. They brought in C.J. Anderson. They still have Theo Riddick. I think Carrion Johnson is probably underrated at this point, but I am still scared. Uh, next up, Josh Jacobs, the rookie for Oakland, 39.8. That's pretty good. I like that. He's going to be work hot, workhorse from day one. They just lost um, uh, Crow Crowell uh, for the year, so he's going to get he's going to get all he can eat right away. Yeah, my concern here, I do trust him at this value. I think that that's fine. I have a feeling his ADP is definitely going to spike up after the Crowell injury, but I have some concerns about just how bad the Raiders could be and right. what that might mean for Jacobs. And, and there are some other names on this list that will have similar feels to them. Uh, but next up is Mark Ingram, ADP 43.4. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm going to say yes because of how good uh, Gus Edwards was with uh, Baltimore last year, especially at the end of the year. 
I think they're they've shown that they are willing to rotate running backs. They still have Gus Edwards. They still have Kenneth Dixon. I am probably not super interested in Mark Ingram at this price. I'm out. Uh, next up, Philip yeah. Lindsay, ADP forty three point four. No way out. I, I I just don't believe in him. <laughs> yeah, he just feels like a one hit wonder type of player, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. He's a practice squad type of talent. They got him so late. I well, mean. I- See, I think that he's talented. I think he's good. I just don't know if if he can really sustain the level of production he put up last year once the league has more tape on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if defenses will be able to key in on him, I, I can't. He's not. I just don't think he's a special talent. He'll be a part of the run game, but I, I don't think he's going to be RB twenty two worthy. <laughs> Next up, Tariq Cohen, ADP forty eight point five. No, uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, they brought in the rookie. Uh, I think Cohen will get fewer touches this year. Yep, I'm out on Cohen as well. Yeah, Darius Geis, ADP 50.7. That's my boy, yes. I'll, I'll buy in on Geis. Yeah, and this is. I think these next three names are the reasons why I think you can pass on Michelle and Kerryon Johnson and Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay is because Geis, I mean, I think you could argue he's going to be fed just as much as any of those guys, assuming he's healthy, of course. Yes. But you get him this much later, like, that's worth it. Now... That caveat of how good is Washington going to be, that does apply here for sure. Like, we don't know if he's going to have a whole lot of running lanes in that offense, but typically Jay Gruden does a good job making his offense work for his running backs. And, and so I'm kind of counting on that to some extent. Next up, Chris Carson, ADP 51.4. I'm going to say no on Carson. Why don't you like him? Because I was in at this at this price. I think that that's fine. I don't believe in the talent. I think he's going to be uh, seeding carries a little bit. Um, I mean, I know how good he was last year, but I just... I don't think he's another running back that's not a special NFL talent, in my opinion. And I think Seattle might not be very good this year. Yeah, I, I think that he's different than Lindsey, though, in that we saw Chris Carson do good stuff the year before last. You know, it's not like he was a total one-hit wonder. He didn't come out of nowhere. And so with that in mind, I am intrigued with him at this price. Now, with that said, we're only talking about running backs here. You have to weigh all these picks against other positions, too, right? Like at, at ADP yeah. 51, maybe there's a wide receiver who's a better value. And so that's something else to consider. Uh, but next up is James White, ADP 52.7. No, paying up for a career year. Uh, he's not going to get anywhere close to what he did last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think in a PPR league, like an MFL 10 or, a, excuse me, a best ball 10, this kind of makes sense, but you're right. You're totally paying up for last year's stats, and while I think he's going to give you a handful of really good games, in a seasonal league, you can't really count on that. Uh, next up, Kenyon Drake, RB 53.3. Oh, man. I-, I like him as a talent. Miami, uh, it, I don't know how good Miami is going to be. Um, he's much better than last year. He was about a third-round pick at the end of last year, so I'm going to buy in on at 53 overall for Drake. I think he'll be a low-end RB3, high-end RB2, possibly. I don't trust him at all. With that said, everything you everything you threw out there applies. Like I think that he is potentially a value here just based upon what our expectations were last year. Mm-hmm. My concern is just that the Dolphins won't be good enough, and they still have Kalen Balaj. They brought in Miles Gaskin. and I, I mean, none of these names really stand out to you as guys that are going to push Kenneth Drake, but... I just don't. I don't want to be paying for the Dolphins' offense. I don't like even in like, yeah. the fifth round. That's too high. Uh, next up, Tariq Cohen's teammate, the rookie David Montgomery, ADP sixty-one point six. And technically, this is the beginning of the sixth round, but it was so close that I decided to include him. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, David Montgomery like projects to be a little better version of Jordan Howard, and Howard was RB two for several years. So I think Montgomery has a real chance to to be one of the best values in the draft in, in, in fantasy this year. Yeah, I could see it. I still don't necessarily trust him because I do think they're going to mix and match the running backs yeah. with Mike Davis, with Tariq Cohen, and 
with that said, this price is not so steep that it's you would avoid it, but I'm not completely buying in here. I might take him, depending upon how the first few rounds break, if I need a running back in this spot, I think that he's a fine guy to target, but I won't be going out of my way to try to get David Montgomery or, or you know overpay for him, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that makes sense. I think if he can get about 200 touches, I think he's definitely going to outperform. I think he's RB29. I mean, that's going to go up too, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, the, this whole range of running backs is one that is kind of scary, though, right? Because you there are a lot of good wide receivers, and this is where the elite tight ends start to go in that round three to round five range. So you are going to have to weigh these guys against other different types of options. So along those lines, I think that there's a lot of risk with these picks, but at the same time, there's a potential lot of reward if you can back up you know a first round running back with a third round running back who hits you know what i'm saying yeah for sure i mean the zero rb theory is still very much in play with these kind of guys like miles sanders too i think we might talk about but montgomery Kenyon drake all these guys could <laughs> what's up dog <laughs> that was great <laughs> but like you can you can you can draft uh, quarterbacks at 2 3 league early you could draft a wide receivers you can get kelsey and a lot of these guys are gonna severely outperform their draft capital I mean, so you can get guys pretty talented from 25 to 30 range uh, that uh, could win you leagues. Totally, yeah. And this was, okay, so that was my first kind of big question mark for 2019 fantasy. Do you have another one besides your Derrick Henry concerns? This is a receiver, I don't know, we're still on running backs, but uh, Sammy Watkins is my other guy. All right, so what, what worries you about Sammy Watkins or what makes him tough for you to evaluate? He could go either way. I mean, the injury history is – he has quite a history of injuries. Um, uh, he He's only 25, too, just like Derrick Henry. Uh, he, they're paying him 16 mil a year. Uh, last year in the playoffs specifically, I like guys that perform well in the playoffs. He, he went 11 for 199 in two games. So, I mean, he was a big part of that offense. Obviously, the Tyreek Hill situation is happening. Uh, I ever guess over-under of, like, four games played for Hill, I'd probably still do the under. Um, but, yeah, Watkins – all the time in the world, he, he, everyone knows like what he could do. He, he doesn't have any other um, anybody else to really beat out. Demarcus Robinson and Nicole Hardman. I I don't know. I, I like Watkins. I mean, he's a uh, ADP of fifty-seven. He could easily outperform that. Yeah, I'm in on Watkins. I, I actually don't think that he's that tough of an evaluation for me now that we can start to assume that Tyreek Hill isn't going to play a ton in this season. So with that in mind, I'm I'm sure. all about that Sammy Watkins life. I am curious to see just how much of a step backwards that offense takes if they do. Uh, I think that that's something that we have to project to some extent just because they were so, so good last year. You have to factor in some amount of regression again as the league gets more tape on Patrick Mahomes, more tape on yeah. the offense in general. We You have questions about Damian Williams, like how is that going to affect the offense? So I think there are bigger questions about the Chiefs offense in general. But uh, I mean, Sammy Watkins seems like he's their number one wideout. Um, yeah. Now, is he their number one receiver? No, that's probably still Travis Kelsey at this point. But I think there's still plenty of value to be had with Watkins. Uh, but speaking of injury prone wide receivers and, you know, kind of shaken up uh, wide receiver depth charts, my next big question mark or, you know, tough evaluation is what the hell do we do with the Seahawks receivers? Because oh, Doug Baldwin, we have no idea if he's yeah. going to play. He might retire based upon all the reports that are coming out. And if that happens, they, they cut him today. They cut him so today. Uh-huh, and, and Chancellor. Yeah, just a few hours ago. 
breaking news, Derek Anderson yeah. retires. And then, you know, sub sub below that, like the next headline down and definitely lesser story on a two quarterback centric podcast is Doug Baldwin getting cut. Oh, oh man, that's so sad. Really? <laughs> yeah. Crazy, right? I think he's only 30. He just had so many bad injuries. I mean, it's just it's crazy what the NFL does to these guys and to their bodies. So I think he had like three or four surgeries in the off season and it was the writing was on the wall going into the year anyway. So I, that makes sense why they got DK Metcalf in the second round. Yeah. I, I guess that makes this a little bit easier of an evaluation to be fair. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, it shows how poor of a podcast host I am, or at least relative to football right now on May 9th uh, is that I didn't realize yeah. Doug Baldwin got <laughs> cut when i wrote up these notes but uh and you know I, I had some important game of thrones stuff to focus on all right people for sure and we got the warriors we got the sharks I mean, we got every <laughs> other sport <laughs> this is not football season this is weird <laughs> it's, it's bay area season everybody else needs to get on board no, i'm kidding yeah, absolutely uh, but, but still this is a very nebulous situation right because tyler lockett's adp is 57.0 and i love yeah. the situation especially if baldwin's out and i like tyler lockett's talent and ability like if you reference his catch rate his uh, racer by depth of target at airyards.com he profiles really well especially last year he was really really good but I'm really fearful of paying a fifth round price for an overly efficient career type of year you know what I mean and so at that point is Lockett the guy you actually go after because he's the proven commodity he has chemistry with Russell Wilson I I don't know if I can pay that price though because I have to assume regression here and so then the question becomes do we then turn our focus to DK Metcalf and David Moore or even like further down the depth chart? Cause they don't really have like a tight end of consequence. It's just a very unknown wide receiver core. And I think that that's scary and it backs up some of those concerns you were talking about with the Seahawks potentially not being that good this season, but I don't know, man, I'm never counting yeah. Russell Wilson out. And if I can't get him on my fantasy team, I definitely am interested in potentially getting one of his receivers to get some exposure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson's still going to ball out no matter what, mainly through his legs now. I mean, I'm afraid he might he might get hurt. I don't know. You're right about uh, Lockett being very lucky last year. I mean, what was his percentage of his catches being touchdowns? It was obscene. It was crazy. I was taking him a lot late in NFL 10s last year, and he was great in best ball. But, yeah, to get him in the fifth round, I mean, that's way too early. And people are going to be drafting him because they're going to assume he's a bona fide wide receiver one in that offense. And I don't know. It's going to be really hard for him to separate from uh, number one coverage. Yeah, and that's just a, a dangerous position to be in ever, like all the time in fantasy is going after the – the number one guy on the depth chart who doesn't actually profile as a number one receiver, right? That like that's usually an indication that an offense might be in for some bad times, right? Like now, with all yeah. that said, let's go back to what I said about liking Tyler Lockett, the player. Like I think he's pretty good, and so maybe he is the type of player who can beat out that sort of notion, who can step up in Doug Baldwin's absence. And if he does that, he's going to be totally worth the cost. He probably should be like a third or fourth rounder if he really delivers a wide receiver one type type of season, right? Yeah, for sure. If they're going to feed him the ball, if he's going to get the targets, you know, he's going to eventually produce. It, it's really going to depend on if he's going to hold up. He's got a lot of injury history, too. He was essentially just their kick returner for several years. He was very good at that. He, his athleticism is through the roof. But, yeah, can he step up into that number one wideout role? Like, I don't know. I don't know if he can hold up. But if he is going to be on the field 100% of the, uh, of the snaps, and if he gets a good target share, yeah, he's going to put up stats because who else are you going to give the ball to <laughs> totally well yeah. um let's transition back to the quarterback position i want to talk to you about two qb and super flex 
Dynasty Rookie Drafts, and that's the time of year we're in now. It's Dynasty season, and a lot of people have already done their rookie drafts, but there might be some folks who still have theirs yet to do, and I kind of just want to have a bigger picture conversation with you, Jeff, about where we should expect to take quarterbacks in these rookie drafts, because in a 2QB or Superflex League, the value of quarterbacks obviously goes up, and so a player like Kyler Murray is kind of the de facto 101, because he plays a premier position, he was the number one overall pick, but I always am skeptical of that stuff when it comes to you know the abstract value of a player versus your fantasy team's needs, like what position you actually need to prioritize in your rookie drafts, versus the idea of trying to trade back if you feel like you're incentivized to take Kyler Murray based upon the value, but you have a need for like a running back or a wide receiver more. Like if you're already set at quarterback, do you really want to take Kyler Murray at the 101? Like I'm not sure if you do. And in that case, like people will tell you you have to trade back. And yes, that's that's good in theory that you can say that, but you're not always going to find the trade partners you want or the type of trade that you want. And so what do you do if that happens? What happens if you feel like you need to trade back from the one-on-one, but you can't? Like, do you still take Kyler Murray because he has the most overall value? And so I guess the way I want to frame this question to you, Jeff, is what's the reasonable pick range for Kyler Murray? Like, can you construct a narrative where, like, obviously we can construct a narrative where he goes 101, but what's, like, the latest you think he should go in a two-quarterback or super flex dynasty rookie draft? If I was pretty deep on quarterback, I mean, quarterback in the NFL is so deep as it is. If you have two or three studs already, I, I wouldn't take him till about the fifth pick in dynasty um, dynasty drafts. Um, so, like, it, it's, it will be really hard to pass up on someone like Josh Jacobs, who's going to help you right away. He could be an RB2 right away. Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, we were talking about. These guys could be difference makers at a more <laughs> premier position. If you already have, if you're already strong on quarterback. No. So yeah, I love Kyler Murray and I think he could be a top 12 quarterback this year. I mean, he's essentially Russell Wilson, but he's in a better offensive situation. So yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray's upside is through the roof, but if you're stacked on QB and a lot of teams that are in dynasty leagues should already be pretty stacked on quarterback, even in Superflex and two QB dynasty leagues. Um, yeah, it's easy. I, I would take him a fourth or fifth if I, if I'm already good on QB. I'll take Nikhil Harry above him if I need a wide receiver. Yeah, that was kind of my range as well. Like, I think he should go anywhere between 101 and 105. Like you, I would have him potentially behind Josh Jacobs, potentially behind Miles Sanders and Nikhil Harry. And at that point, that's only three players, so maybe I should have said 101 to 105. But I think you could still make an argument for, you know, another one of the top receivers like A.J. Brown, uh, maybe even David Montgomery. Like, there are other players you can consider in that range, and... I just think that it's it's not always correct just to assume that a quarterback has to go one one just because he's a quarterback and you're playing in a two QB or super flex league. I think anytime you think about fantasy in that way, you're doing it wrong. Like you need to consider more options and more potential avenues to victory. And so that's why I wanted to have this discussion about Kyler specifically as the de facto one oh one. But yeah. now I want to move it to the other I guess I don't want to use the word top rookie quarterbacks because (laughs) it's a pretty steep drop off after Murray but how about Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones like what do you think the right range on those guys is because on the 2qbs.com twitter account at 2qbs somebody posed this question to us he said you know I had the 102 and I really needed a QB so I took Dwayne Haskins and then I took a bunch of flack for it because people thought I should have taken a running back or a wide receiver but it's like I get it. If you're a needy team yes I can see Dwayne Haskins going as high as 102 it's the same argument I would make for Kyler Murray potentially going later, right? Is if you yeah. need the quarterback and Kyler Murray's already off the board, then yeah, maybe you need to pay up for Haskins. But wh- where's the range on him 
uh, to you, Jeff, because I have him basically anywhere in the first round, I think would be reasonable to take Haskins, you know, 102 to 112. Like, I think he has to be behind Kyler Murray at least, but you know, if you're not QB needy and you have, you know, the second picker later and Murray is already gone, then yeah, man, I think you could see him potentially slip away. Is right. That was, yeah, I was right there with you. I had it from 105 to 112 is both of their ranges pretty much. But if this is a two, specifically if it's a two QB league and if you only have one QB, they, uh, every QB is so valuable that, yeah, you would have to take someone like Haskins 102, you know, because you have to compete. You want to compete and you will not compete if you have one quarterback that is upright. But, uh, that being said, I kind of, I kind of like Daniel Jones. You know, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think he's going to have, very much of a career arc is Alex Smith. I mean, uh, he reminds me of Drew Brees quite a bit. He has a lot of short and intermediate range accuracy, and he's he's pretty uh, athletic, not like Brees is, but Alex Smith, I don't know. I feel like his comp is just like Alex Smith. So if I were in one of these drafts, I'd probably be taking Daniel Jones as a glorified game manager type. I mean, he's selected number six overall in the draft. I mean, he's not going to just be a game manager. I think he has got a lot of a lot of potential, and the New York media is shitting all over that pick and i i don't know i don't know why i think he's actually pretty fucking good <laughs> i mean yeah go figure the new york media is uh, overreacting to something <laughs> you, you heard it here first daniel jones is the next drew Brees. yeah yeah oh, come on so drew Brees was the number <laughs> in the 2001 draft he was selected in the same draft as lt barkley was just selected last year <laughs> i know this is crazy to hear i'm just saying his skill set is similar to drew Brees. Brees was the second round pick and uh, Daniel Jones has some upside. He had no receivers to throw to at Duke. He was doing it all himself, and he was taking chances. He's got a little bit of a gunslinger in him, and he could take chances downfield. I like Daniel Jones, man. He's Drew Brees. You, you know I'm going to be making fun of you for this comparison to Drew Brees for, like, the rest of your life, right? Please do. <laughs> he, he was, oh, God. Uh, he, he was taking 27 picks above Drew Brees, so that means he's 27 times better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, well, how early would you take him in a two-quarterback rookie draft? Like, are you taking him in the top half of the first round? Because I, I think maybe, like, 108, 109, 110 is probably the earliest I would consider him relative to the other, you know, rookies that are available at other positions. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're going to get a lot of difference makers at wide receiver and running back that you could choose from. So it would be kind of like, uh, I don't know, it, it would it would be kind of erratic to actually take him like earlier than 105. So, I mean, I like him, but I, I would only take him if I have a late first rounder starting with like 106, 107. Yeah, I think 110 is about the earliest I would want to pick him. But I guess if I was really, really QB needy, and that is kind of the bigger argument here is that, you know, if you're in a league where there are a bunch of haves at the quarterback positions and only a couple have-nots or, like, three teams that are have-nots, then if Murray and Haskins go early, you might have to pull the trigger on Daniel Jones in the mid-first if you're that third quarterback needy team because if someone else scoops him from you, like, with the 112 pick or, like, the 201 or something like that, just because he's a quarterback and because, you know, there is merit to hoarding quarterbacks in a dynasty league that's two quarterback, then, yeah, you might actually have to pay up for Jones when you don't want to. I just, I would not put myself in that position. I would rather really explore, like, the trade market. And even if I'm not, like, trading up to get one of the rookies, maybe just try to trade for, you know, a veteran stopgap at the quarterback position rather yeah. than try to rely on Daniel Jones. Because the other big question mark I have with him is how early is he actually going to start, right? We have no idea. Yeah, yeah. I, if I had to guess, he'd probably start week 12, week 13. I don't think he, he will start until Eli shows nothing or the Giants are eliminated. And Eli could show nothing right away, but it seems like they're going to be okay. 
I mean, Eli showed nothing two seasons ago, so yeah. I mean, I, I think that any any week is potentially <laughs> Daniel Jones week, but yeah, I, I right. see what you're saying. Right, and the New York media is different than any other media, and so like, it, it, anytime Eli does anything bad, they're going to be like, well, here's your prize piece, let's see what we have, you know, so so it could be as early as like week three or four, who, who really knows, but uh, I don't know, they're beefing up their own line, I think it's going to be very run-oriented, uh, like this year, Saquon is going to get everything he can handle and it's gonna be all take one they got that guard too from cleveland that, that was a really good pick i think that o-line is actually pretty good so um it'll be great for a rookie quarterback to come in down the stretch so if i had to guess though he's gonna have five six starts this year like 10 and six right and i think that's the big difference between him and haskins and murray is that haskins and murray are they should enter the season as the starters for their teams and like kind of no yeah. questions asked as far as i'm concerned i mean maybe we see like Colt McCoy or Case Keenum start for like one or two games before they turn it over to Haskins, but there's really not a whole lot of incentive for them to wait. Like we saw this happen with a lot of the rookies last year where, you know, Josh McCown got a start, Tyrod Taylor got a start, Mm -hmm. you know, and and like that they opened up the year like that, but it wasn't long before the rookies got in there. And I think that that might happen with Jones, but it's definitely going to happen with Haskins. Yeah, Um, Yeah, Haskins definitely. (laughs) Real quick, what about Drew Locke in Denver? Do you, would you take him in the early second round, or do you think he needs to go later than that in a rookie draft? Probably early second round. I thought he was going to be a first-round pick in the actual NFL draft. Um, Flacco's going to have that job all year. They're probably going to be competing. The defense is so good. So I, I would guess Flacco's going to have the job all this year and possibly all next year, too. So, I mean, if you really want to keep a guy on your bench for one or two full seasons, and you don't even know if he's even any good, there's a reason why he dropped to like the 11th pick of the second round, you know, so... He's got a lot of skills, and Flacco's a good guy to learn from, but I feel like Flacco has pretty good job security. I I don't. I feel like Flacco is the new Eli Manning. I mean, I guess he has (laughs) some security in the sense that, like, they just brought him in, so they're going to want him to be the starter for a little while, but... I mean, I don't think he's good, and I don't think the receivers in Denver are going to do him a ton of favors. And so with that in mind, like, if Denver gets real bad real quick... I think you could see them move to the rookie later in the year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be starting before, you know, week seven or week eight. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that Locke could get in there sooner than we might expect. And so with that in yeah. mind, I think that he is worth considering in the second round. But I don't I don't really want to pick him there. Like, I'd probably hope to land him in, like, the late second if I really needed, it, like, a QB yeah. lottery ticket. But even then, like, I'd probably try to prioritize other positions because i think you're you're probably just gonna have a better chance of hitting on one of those types of players than you will with drew lock because i'm not convinced that drew lock is any good you know that's that's the real question here that's the rub that's That's definitely the other issue i think it depends on how good you think denver is going to be if you think denver is going to be a kind of a bad team or seven and nine something like that then yeah you could take lock a little bit earlier i think they're going to be okay and i think I really think Flacco keeps it all 16 games. But uh, but you're right. He hasn't shown much lately. And uh, the reason why they went to Lamar Jackson at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good one. All right. Uh, let's get to Game of Thrones, man. And yeah. we got to talk about episode four, The Last of the Starks. Um, I'm curious, just what, what were your thoughts? Did you like the episode? I, I kind of liked it. I know almost everyone seems to be hating it. But you know what Catlin always says? There must always be a Starbucks in Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I, I don't know. What did you think of it? Uh, I, yeah, I didn't love it. Uh, with that said, I didn't hate it either. Like, I'm, I'm pretty apologetic when it comes to pop culture in general. Like, I like bad movies. I like some bad TV shows. Like, I like to make fun of things. So, I don't mind when there's a Starbucks cup in the <laughs> shot. Or when, you know, the bad guys have a bunch of 
bow and arrow and giant ballistas <laughs> pointed at, you know, a dragon standing on the ground and yep. you know, the good guys, you know, with no defenses whatsoever. And for whatever reason, they don't pull the trigger. It's like, what the hell is going on? I don't get that. But at the same time, like, whatever, I can I can suspend my disbelief on some of this stuff just for the sake of like character and suspense building. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. My biggest issue with this episode and with kind of the past season and a half is just the pacing problems. Like the season yeah. seven pacing problems are back in season eight. And mm-hmm. I get why they have to speed things along. Like they have to wrap up the show. Can't keep mm-hmm. paying these actors forever, but I still hate it. Like I really just yeah. can't stand how quickly they push through everything because that's exactly what the early part of this series did not do is they took their time. They let the characters like hang out together yep. and it showed the time it took to get from place to place and they just don't do any of that anymore. And it just, it pulls me out of the show. It's kind of unnerving. And and that's what bugs me. Now, with that said, what happened in this episode, like I thought was pretty intriguing, right? Like we lose another dragon. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we see, you know, Danny's forces continue to get wrecked just out of nowhere yeah. by Cersei. It's like better tactical planning, which I mean, at this point we really do have to wonder like how, how badly is Tyrion going to screw over Daenerys in these last two episodes? <laughs> like, are, do you think that that's coming? Like, I, I'm curious. Like, I didn't believe it at first, but now I'm kind of convinced that there's some sort of backstab coming eventually. Yeah, yeah. That, that conversation between Varys and Tyrion was very much treasonous. I, I, I've always thought that Tyrion is still on the side of the Lannisters, just like Jaime. He's coming back down to his to his, his girl. You know, um, yeah. I think Tyrion is intentionally uh, fucking up because. Uh, I don't know. I, I agree with you. <laughs> there's there's some things that I did like about the episode, by the way. I think Jamie Jamie going down south to King's Landing, that yeah. was Jamie, you know? I mean for sure. I, I like it. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, and Brienne crying. I, I love that the whole Jamie Brienne thing happened. That was great. It was very much fan service. But yeah, he has to go back down to Jamie. He's still a bad guy in the end and he knows he's bad and he needs to help either help or hurt uh Cersei. I have a feeling he might kill you're on. He might kill Cersei, or he might save Cersei. Yeah, you don't really know. Uh, I, I like also like uh, speaking of true to their characters. Arya telling Gendry, "That's not me. That's she's never going to be a lady." And I, I love that he declined her. I love that Pod uh, took two girls off in the background. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I that see. was a send off for Pod. Like I have a feeling Pod's yeah. gonna gonna die in either this episode or the next. That's my guess. <laughs> you do have him on your team, but uh, I think I think he's good. I think I think Brienne's gonna knight him and his rod <laughs> so that, that was another big question i had is like it seemed like a lot of characters like jamie left f- to go south and brienne seemed to stay behind are yeah. we assuming that brienne is eventually going to follow and go south as well i think i think he she kind of has to right yeah i thought you think you think so uh, i mean her allegiance is to uh defend the starker well to defend sansa's no Ari, Ari doesn't need it so i think she has to just stay in winterfell and just protect sansa unless sansa goes down south I think Brienne's just gonna hang hang out there, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if she was gonna try to win Jamie back. It did seem like the final farewell, though. It, it, that was like so heartbreaking seeing her cry and to leave Jamie, and, and that's like the love of her life, right? So yeah, I don't know. If I had to guess, she's gonna stay in Winterfell. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we won't see her again, right? Because there's still a, yeah. a sixth episode after this big battle coming in episode five. And I guess we're, we're already talking about predictions at this point. Do you have anything yeah. else on the last episode you want to throw out before we move on to our next character to die draft? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, Euron, being too, he's a cartoon pirate, like you, you alluded to. Uh, he's too powerful. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I understand. It's still entertainment. 
And I understand, like, the management came and stepped up of HBO and said that, hey, we need to even the playing field to make it interesting for, for episode five. And that, that makes sense, totally. But uh, the other thing I didn't like is, uh, why didn't John pet his fucking dog? <laughs> pet your dog, John. <laughs> Just one time. Just one time. Look at him. I have a feeling, we might talk about it later, John will reunite with Ghost, though. I think so. In the afterlife? So. <laughs> John's living through this, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, on that note, let's talk next character to die draft. Yep. Uh, real quick recap of the characters that we've chosen so far. Uh, Jeff's picks starting in round one, going on down. Yara Greyjoy, Beric Dondarrion, Grey Worm, Varys, Gilly, Jamie Lannister, and Gregor C- Clegane, the Mountain. Uh, only one of those guys has died so far, Jeff. Yeah. You're not doing so hot. Uh, my next or my picks starting at the top were Dolores Ed dead Theon Greyjoy dead <laughs> Jorah Mormont dead then I have Brienne Jan Royce Podrick Payne and Tyrion Lannister uh last episode the two characters to die were Rhaegal the Dragon and Missandei uh Daenerys's translator slash buddy um so neither of us got points there the score is currently five points for me <laughs> one point for Jeff uh, I'm not going to talk about how the scoring works because I'll recap the next episode when more of these folks actually die uh that we have picked uh, with that in mind, uh, we are in round eight, which means I get to start. Uh, we are snaking backwards in the even-numbered round, and my pick is going to be the aforementioned Euron Greyjoy. I think that he's going to buy it in this episode. Yeah, I think Jamie might kill him. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think you might backstab Cersei too, possibly. But you've been alluding to that. You know, he's allied to you right right now. For now, it's it's up to him. But, right. yeah. and that's why I'm picking him early is because I think that. He, of the characters we have left, he seems like someone who could die early in the episode as a part of, like, not only yeah. because he's going to be in the thick of the battle, but because he could be, you know, backstab or he could try to backstab Cersei and then just get killed by the mountain or something like that. So, uh, yep. yeah, you're, you're on my pick and you okay. are now on the clock for right. two in a row, the eight, nine wheel. I'm down five to one. I'm going to need some step back threes, James Harden style. <laughs> I have a bloody eye right now. All right, so since I already have the mountain, give me Cersei. I think they die pretty quickly, you know, if Cersei dies. The, uh, yeah, so Cersei's going down no matter what. I'm going to need as many points as I can get. I think Jamie's going to kill Cersei and then die too. So I'm going to get some uh, mad points in a row. And also give me the Hound. Clegane Bowl's happening. I think the Hound will kill the mountain, and I have the mountain. But I think there's going to be some kind of tag team action with, with Arya. I think the Hound will die fighting his brother. Uh, they'll kill each other preferably with the fire too. He might kill him with fire. That'd be great. I'm not even, I was hoping that Sandor would make it back to me. I thought that I think he was the pick I wanted with my ninth rounder. Uh, and Cersei's a good pick as well. I think that my one concern with Cersei is that she might live until the last episode, oh, uh, but yeah. I do think she has to die at some point. So that's a fine pick either way. Uh, Sandor Clegane, the hound. Yeah, man. Like I, I agree with you. I think that he's probably going to die as a result of his fight with his brother. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure if, the Hound is going to be able to kill the mountain. I think that you're right, that it might yeah. have to be Arya who does it. And right. I'm curious if maybe the Valyrian steel dagger that she has might have to be a part of what actually takes the mountain out because yes. we've seen him be impervious to pretty much everything at this point. Like, he took a mace to the chest. We really <laughs> don't know what can kill him. And so with that in mind, right. I think that it might take something special. And, and maybe that is burning him. Uh, I think that would be pretty poetic. Uh, or maybe it's Valyrian steel and, and we might need... Arya to be the person to uh, you know wield oh. that cat's paw da- cat's paw dagger one more time. That'd be so good. He's on her list, and I feel like Arya's going to kill the hound. He, she's going to mercy kill the hound. You even alluded to it in the last episode. Like, hey, if I if I'm dying, you're going to kill me this time. <laughs> she's walked away. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so we'll see. Um, and and that oh, that's a good point too. Arya could be the one who actually finishes him off. That would be yeah, because she didn't do it before against Rianne. <laughs> yeah, and you might yeah. get the mountain dying and then the hound dying back to back for that very reason. God, that's I hate you. Yes, I shouldn't have taken you on. Like I said, I'm the Houston Rockets. I need I need those threes. Ah <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, I, I guess that makes me the Warriors minus Kevin Durant. I mean, I have lost yes. more characters than you, so. Uh, just sidebar, man. Do, do you think he really just has a calf strain? Like, that looks so much like an Achilles injury, right? Like, they're just yeah. gamesman shipping here, right? Just trying to keep the opponent <laughs> guessing. That's that's my guess. It's possible. Man, that would be tragic if it is Achilles. Yeah, the way he reached back, nobody, he didn't get touched at all. He said it felt like he got kicked. Yeah, and Reggie Miller was going off. But what I like is Rudy Gay, who's had a Achilles tear, he was on Twitter saying, like, no, nah, that's a cap strain. <laughs> so I believe it is. But I think he's going to be out for a whole week. He's been ruled out game six and seven. The Warriors are still, like, minus 180 to win the series. But I don't know, man. I think the Warriors are going to have to win game six because I feel like if the Rockets are minus seven in game six, so if they can win game six, I don't know. Might be the last game ever, ever in Oracle. Yeah, I feel like it's going seven kind of no matter what, but that's just that's just what I expect from the NBA is that they try to extend series. But um, I'll take yeah. off my tinfoil hat and make a couple more picks here. <laughs> tinfoil for life. <laughs> so I'm I'm going I'm going hard here. I am taking a couple home run swings. I'm taking okay. Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen back to back. I think that one of them probably dies in this episode, and if not, mm. one of them will probably die in the next episode. So no. I want to make sure I get the two main characters because Game yeah. of Thrones is nothing if not merciless when it comes to killing off the people we root for <laughs> and i just i don't think the show can end without one of them dying if not both yeah if you think uh this has a happy ending you haven't been paying attention <laughs> so um as uh fucking uh snow ramsey said <laughs> so uh yeah no i like you you're definitely gonna get at least one you'll get exactly one point from that so congrats <laughs> well hey well i'll take it because i'm already up five to one jeff ha- eat that <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I got this. I got this. All right. And uh, sticking to the clusterfuck what's happening in, in King's Landing, uh, I have one pick, right? Yeah. You have uh, one left. <laughs> I think uh, since Cersei and the Mountain are going to die, give me Kyburn too. I, yep. I need uh, deep deaths in bunches. So, uh, yeah, Kyburn, even though he, he's not necessarily a bad guy, he'll be going down if Cersei goes down. He is the hand of the queen. You know? Yeah, that he was on my list, on my short list. I almost took him with one of these. I feel like he is a safe bet to die this episode, but I'm playing the long game here, and we will make some more picks before the final episode just in case the show wants to try to surprise us anymore. But but let's move on. Um, what other predictions or theories do you have for the wind down of the show here? We got two episodes left. Uh, I know that you were looking at some some actual betting lines. <laughs> do you want to discuss some of those? Do you have any other theories or predictions you want to run through? Where, where are you at on the last two episodes, Jeff? Yeah, I for sure think Danny is Daenerys is going to be full on Mad Queen, full on burning the city to the ground. Masande um, Sinjarkaris, I mean, she's going to go insane, and I think John's going to have to kill her. That's my opinion. Um, but yeah, I was looking on Bovada, and it's very interesting. John Snow, this specifically this prop is minus two twenty to kill Danny. So that's the sports book saying that he has about a seventy percent chance to kill his girlfriend and then probably because Danny is going to go mad, obviously. So that was very interesting to me. Uh, and also there was like six people that have a legit chance to be on the throne at the end of it. Bran, Sansa, John and Gendry are all six, uh, six to one or less. And uh, yeah, that, that's 
crazy. Like, it could be anybody that rules Westeros by the end of it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so <laughs> let's know, run through some knows. of these props. This is I'm looking at the Bovada site right now, and I'll, I'll link to this in the show notes if anybody else wants to check out all the other crazy, stupid props they have on here about Game of Thrones. But, uh, yeah, who will rule Westeros at the end of Season 8? The favorite is Bran Stark, then Sansa, or Sansa, then Jon Snow, then Gendry, then Daenerys, then Tyrion. After that, it's it's a little crazy. It looks like Peter Baelish is still on this list for some reason. Like I don't, I don't know why that's the case. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right? Uh, maybe as Arya has his face. Yeah, no, that's good. The Mountain is 501. If you, you want to waste a dollar to win 500. <laughs> <laughs> that will happen. That will be a big F you, Benny Weiss. Like, you know what? Fuck you. You hate me. <laughs> There's so you many random me? characters on here. And actually, this dovetails really well into the next thing I wanted to do. More rapid fire. Yeah. And apparently Dario Naharis is 125-1 to 1 to rule oh. Westeros at the end of Season 8. And so, uh, rapid fire, yes or no, will we see Dario Naharis again in Season 8? I would say yes, he's infiltrating Golden Company. I <laughs> agree with that. That was one of my predictions for later, oh. and thank you for stealing it. Uh, but Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. We can just sail over it. All right, next up, rapid okay. fire, uh, Nymeria the Dire Wolf. Are we going to see her uh, again? Yes. Uh, hangs out with Arya. Lone Wolf. I, I say no. Um, okay. Jockin Hagar, uh, the faceless man. <laughs> Jockin Hagar. Uh, I'm going to go no. I also say no. Sirio Forel, who is rumored to be Jockin Hagar. So yes. <laughs> if you think Jockin's not going to show up, but you think Sirio's going to show up, that means that you think that they're two different people. Yeah. I want them to be the same person so bad. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. They show Jock and he pulls off his face in Syria. It's like, not today. <laughs> Marin Trent didn't fucking kill me. I'm gonna say no for Syria. I agree. <laughs> uh, Mira or Howland Reed? No, God, I hope so. Mira was such a big part of this, like, it's like four or five seasons. So yeah, Mira deserves to be back once. Howland, uh, no, Howland is. Is, is not a real character. He's the Night King, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say yes, uh, if only because John's forces are going to have to travel through the swamps, through the Neck to get down south. Yes. And at that point, I feel like they're going to potentially pick up one of those two. But I, I don't know, probably not. I'm only saying yes because I want it to happen. Uh, <laughs> Robin Aaron of the Vale, yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say yeah. Yeah, there'll probably be like something at the very end that have all lords coming out. So yes, yeah. for Robin. I mean, I, I get it. I'm going to say no, though, just because I don't think he deserves yeah. screen time. Uh, yeah, similar, similar sort of scenario, though. Edmure Tully uh, of River Run. Yeah, I'll say that, too. I mean, he's the last remaining Tully, pretty much, right? So Yeah, I yeah. think that he's sure. definitely a character we will have to see in the last episode as, you know, what happened to him or, or is he going to, you know, become the Lord of River Run yet again? I, I think we're going to see him uh, at least in one of these last two episodes. And then last one on Rapid Fire. Will we see the Dornish again? <laughs> yeah, I I'd say so. There's probably gonna be some kind of small council meeting up in King's Landing at the very end, uh, led by Bran apparently because he's minus one fifty to win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. He started off, you know, he's plus one fifty. Now he started off minus one fifty. Then he went to a plus two fifty. Now he's minus one fifty. So it sounds it, it sounds like Bran is probably gonna lead Westeros, and I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is I the think, internet. I think we're gonna see the Dornish in this episode. Yeah. I think that they're gonna have to be a part of this battle if they're going to win against the golden company. That's just my guess. Like I, yeah. I could see like a late arrival, kind of like the Knights of the Vale at the battle of the bastards where the Dornish kind of come in to help solidify victory for the, the quote unquote good guys. Um, mm -hmm. But we'll see. Uh, that's, that's all I got for that. Now, how about just any other random predictions for episode five or beyond? We talked about how we both think Dario is going to show up with the golden company. I think that makes some sense. Yeah. That could be fun. 
I'm I'm curious if Tyrion is going to betray Daenerys. I kind of teased that earlier. What, what do you think there? Do you think that he is still fighting for the Lannisters? I mean, you said you you do, but based upon the conversation he had with Varys, like it seems like he really is loyal to the Dragon Queen, right? Yeah, he's still trying to be loyal to her, but I know Danny's about to go completely mad, so I could see her just burning him anyway, and I could see him just getting the hell out and just uh, trying to help out his sister. He might not have, have any other choice but to go back to Danny. That was another problem. It's almost 50-50 on whether uh, Tyrion's going to die. So that should be well, interesting. He's on my list, so uh, if he goes, then that's points for me. For sure. I have a question for you. Do you think uh, Daenerys can be burnt by wildfire? <laughs> Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know. That's it. I, I think uh, Cersei's gonna burn. She's gonna blow some shit up. I can see the Red Keep completely burning up. So that'd be fun. Grey Worm will be badass in this episode too. He's gonna. He's pissed. They kill. They kill his girlfriend. He's gonna kill like forty people. It's gonna be great. Yeah, do you think he survives? He's on your team. I, I mean, you picked no. him in the third round. I, I think that he's a pretty good bet to go. Yeah, I think he'll go. I, I think the mountain will probably kill him. I think he's going to run down like a shitload of Lannister and Golden Company soldiers first. And uh, yeah, he'll go out in a, a blaze of glory. It'll be great. <laughs> do you think Do you think the dragon, the last dragon, Drogon, survives? Because I think that he... I almost picked him instead of Jon Snow to go with Daenerys. Like, kind of try to double dip on both of them going out together. But I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I could see if she survives, I have a feeling the dragon isn't necessarily guaranteed to survive. You know what I mean? Like that might have to yeah. be one more sacrifice that she deals with. Yeah, that is true. I, if Danny does die and she probably will, I mean, does John just take over Drogon? I, I, then maybe John takes over Drogon and goes up North. And that's why I think, uh, I think so knowing John and knowing that he's probably going to kill Danny spoilers. <laughs> um, I mean, knowing how, how loyal he is, if he kills the queen, uh, he's not going to want to stay in King's landing. He's going to be honorable. I feel like that's that's his his out to go back either to the wall and take the ba- the black or go back to Winterfell or go to the north the north north uh, with the wildlings with Tormund and ghosts <laughs> maybe with a dragon who, who knows dragons don't do good in the in the cold though so yeah it'll be fun it'll be interesting <laughs> yeah after that look that Drogon gave Jon back in what was that episode one or episode two I I don't know if he can ride Drogon I think that if Danny dies Drogon becomes yeah like his own creature at that point. I don't think he's going to accept another rider. And again, I, yeah. I think Drogon's probably going to die if, if I had to guess. Oh man, that'd be crazy. Not before he burns down half of King's Landing and it's going to be so good. <laughs> My other big question is what, what are they saving for the final episode? Like what, what is, we, we know that this upcoming episode five is going to be probably a big battle at King's Landing. We're going to see a bunch of characters eat it. What happens after that? Like it's, is it more just politics stuff? And, and this is where I think we could see, Danny really go mad is in that last episode where she loses all these people she cares about like Grey Worm and like her dragon mm. and some other stuff kind of makes her go even crazier and at that point like when Sansa says uh, you can't you don't rule us in the north or whatever at that yeah. point she loses it decides she's going to kill the Starks and then Jon has to step in and, and be that guy who ices Danny. Yeah. I, I think that that's a realistic scenario, but the fact that I'm predicting it probably means that I'm <laughs> overthinking it, right? Like Game of Thrones, while it is sometimes predictable and sometimes they telegraph stuff, like I have a feeling these last two episodes are going to be full of a bunch of surprises, stuff that we have no idea is coming. So I'm curious, like what is really going to take place after the big battle, right? We definitely need something more from Bran. Like we have to understand yeah his power as the Three-Eyed Raven a little bit better, what he's been doing, what he's seen, because 
they've just been hiding him on the sidelines this entire season so far. He's been so cryptic. Something has to happen with him. Probably not in this episode upcoming, but in the sixth episode, we're going to get probably some big reveal about him, I would imagine. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's a reason why Bran's still still around. If he's not going to be the leader of King's Landing, he could become the Night King. Or he, I don't know. Yeah, there's something going on. And I agree with you. They might they might save John killing Danny for episode six. Uh, this one might be Danny versus everybody, and John just might have to end it all. Um, and what I was thinking today is, uh, it, Daenerys is very much has like the same story arc and so many parallels to Anakin Skywalker. I know you're a big Star Wars fan, but I feel like she's turning into Darth Vader shitty childhood you know she started from the bottom now we're here you know she she made it all the way up to the apex and now she's about to turn it into darth vader and it's gonna be fucking amazing <laughs> so what if danny dies drogon yeah. survives bran wargs himself into the dragon <laughs> and rules the seven kingdoms as a dragon king like there's yes. that big proclamation <laughs> that you know bran you'll never walk again but you will fly, you will fly. Like, what if he yep. just becomes a dragon <laughs> I, I love I'm it. <laughs> gesturing wildly with my hands right now. Yeah. If only <laughs> totally you listeners cool. and if only Jeff could see it. <laughs> Man, uh, with the way that this season has gone so far, nothing would surprise me. So Brandon, Brandon Stark, Dragon King, bring it on. Fuck it. <laughs> that would be so sweet. I, I am, I'm in for this harebrained idea that I just came up with right now. Incredible. <laughs> uh, last question I have for you. Are, are we going to see the children of the forest again? Because it seems like they're just getting rid of all the magical creatures one by one. It's like all the White Walkers died, all the dragons are dying, and the children of the forest, like we saw some of them die up at the, the, the big heart tree up in the north, like north of the wall, but... Could they come back? Is that something that you would expect to see in these last couple of shows? I don't think they'll show it, but uh, I could. I think they're still out there, though. I do. Unless they go back to the Night King. If they recreate a Night King or if there's, like, they need a Night King for some reason, I could see children going and turning Bran, Dragon Bran, I don't know, into, the, into another <laughs> White Walker. <laughs> White Walker, Dragon Bran. That's yeah, how it just, ends. we'll just mash them all up. <laughs> yeah. White Walker, he's a dragon, he's the Three-Eyed Raven, and yeah. everyone else can just deal with it. Yeah, like, fuck you. All right, Jeff, that's all I got, man. Do you got anything else on Game of Thrones Season 8 before we close this one out? Nah, bro. I know this upcoming episode is going to be freaking epic, and it, it's going to be so good. I'm, I feel like this episode might redeem the entire season. So I'm, I'm, I'm holding off to really have form an opinion of this whole season until watching episode five because I feel like this is going to be classic. It has a potential to be the best episode ever. So, yeah. so I'm excited, man. I'm trying to reserve judgment too, but like I said, those issues I have with just the pacing and the mechanics of the show yeah. have really irked me for over a season now, and so it's it's harder and harder to accept like the the, the cheesy parts or like the the seams that are showing through the show. And I don't know, but I am with you. Like I think that if they stick the landing in these last two episodes, then that could redeem everything and make it all worth it. Yeah. And I hope that's what happens. I'm not going to hold my breath, but I am, <laughs> you know, I have my fingers crossed, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping we get there, but, um, me too. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show to, again, to talk game of Thrones with me. We have, uh, two more episodes left or one or two more. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, I don't know if we need to do a recap, but we probably should uh, after the season is over. Um, yeah. listeners, thank you all for joining us and, and hanging out while we, discuss these crackpot ideas uh if you would please rate and review the show uh, on itunes that would be much appreciated subscribe if you haven't already and uh yeah until next week uh voller morgulis <laughs> voller 
Doharis. Doharis. Doharis? How do you pronounce these words? Who knows? Adios, yeah. everybody. <laughs>